Well, good morning, 1115. How are you guys doing this morning? You know, on holiday weekends, we always find out who the committed core are uh, because they don't go on vacation. They, they decide to stay home and go to church. I mean, there's something. God's going to bless you for that today, I, I believe. Anyways, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us today as we're fin- finishing up this series called Making Change. And this series, as we said in the last couple of weeks, was really derived out of this idea that uh, we put out a survey a couple months ago and said, what are the things that you guys are struggling with? What are the things that you want to hear more about, that you want to grow in, that you want to develop yourself in? And overwhelmingly in those surveys, people said, you know, the area that I'm struggling the most in is this area of finances. And so I want some help. I want some direction. I need some help. And so we said, man, we're going we're gonna to meet that need. We're going to do a series about it. We're going to call it Making Change because hopefully that's what you're going to be doing because of this. And over the last couple of weeks, the first week, we set the foundation. We said, hey, the most important thing that you can do in order to make the ultimate change in your life is to put God first. Put him first, not only for salvation, but your finances, your health, your, your relationship. Everything in life needs to start with God at the center of it, at the head of it. And when we do that, we can kind of build upon that. We've been talking over the last couple of weeks of practically what does that look like in our life to make changes financially. Now, this is, as I was thinking about this week and just ending this series, I was thinking about when I was growing up, I would go to churches all the time and I would always hear, you know, you should give to the church. You should give to the church. And deep down inside, I always wanted to give to the church. Like that was always a desire in my heart. The problem was, is, isn't my desire to give. The problem was, is that I was in so much bondage to debt. I was like, I want to give, but I don't know how to give because I'm so held back by this thing. And what I really needed for them to do was to teach me how to get out of debt so I could have the ability to live a freer life. And the whole goal behind this series hasn't been so to get you to give. The whole goal behind this series has been to get you free. That's what we want for every single one of your life. We don't want you to live in bondage any longer to any aspect, particularly when it comes to debt, but we want you to be free. That's why Galatians in chapter 5, verse 1, it says this. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened by this yoke of slavery. It says, listen. Because Jesus set us free, the reason Jesus set us free is so that we could live in freedom. And when Jesus sets us free, we are free. The problem is, is that when we don't stand firm in the principles of God, what we end up doing is we end up going and enslaving ourselves. And for a lot of us, the area that the enemy has used the most to enslave us happens to be our finances. It's the area that we fall back into troubles and we fall back into patterns and what the bible says in proverbs is is that the servant the borrower is servant to the lender and a lot of us we've become slaves to the lender we've been slaved we've been enslaved in this area of finances and honestly i'm so sick and tired of seeing people seeing young people seeing families uh just enslaved in this area because a lot of us feel a lot like this commercial that came out in the early 2000s take a look at this I'm Stanley Johnson. I've got a great family. I've got a four-bedroom house and a great community. Like my car? It's new. I even belong to the local golf club. How do I do it? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. I can barely pay my finance charges. Somebody help me. 
That's what a lot of us are like. We're like Stanley Johnson. We're the living, breathing Stanley Johnson of today. We're, we're living in the four-bedroom house. We're driving the brand-new car. We've got the kids in private school. We're living like everybody else is living, but we're up to our eyeballs in debt. And we're on our tractor, and we're going, somebody help me. And a lot of us, it feels like we're just in this black hole that keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And this is what I know is when you're in that hole, man, it sucks the joy out of your life. It robs you of hope. And I believe that today there's hope. I think that there's a reason why Jesus spoke so much about money. There's a reason why out of the 38 parables that he told, 16 of them were about your things and your finances. Because he knew that this would be a difficult area of our life. It's also why it talks about in the Bible, money five times more than it does prayer. Prayer is an important aspect. A lot of us, we're praying for God to help us. But he also, instead of just praying, he also gave us some practical application for this area. Rather than just saying, God, help me. It should be like, God, what have you already said about this? Because he already gave us some answers. In fact, there's 500 verses about heaven and hell, but there's over 2,000 verses about finances. And so if, if God thinks that it's that important to mention it that many times, maybe it's because he knew that this would be the area that we would feel like we're in this black hole in life in. And today, my hope is, is that you can experience the freedom that God has for you. And we're going to look at a story out of uh, Luke chapter 15. If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn there. So we're going to hang out. It's the story of the prodigal son. We're gonna, there's going to be a ton of scripture today. Um, so it's going to feel like Bible overload. But I think more than just giving you practical application, let's give you what God's word says about things. Because God's word is the thing that has the power to set you free. It's the, it's the living, active, breathing word of God that is, that is evident and real, can be in your life today if you'll apply it. And I believe that God has has... Has, wants to show us his amazing grace in this area. But in the story of the prodigal son, the son gives us some of the reasons why we end up in the hole that we're in. And he also gives us some hope of how we can get out of it. And so he shows us five ways that we end up in kind of the financial black hole of life. And the first one is this, is for a lot of us, we overestimate the importance of wealth in life. We overestimate how important wealth is, and we get consumed, and this young man got consumed with the, the myth that more money is going to e equal happiness in life. Man, if I can just get some more finance, if I can just have what somebody else has, then I would be happy. And this is what it says uh, in Luke 15, starting in verse 11. It says, Jesus continued. He said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them, between the younger son and the older son. In essence, what this younger son said is, he said, Dad, I want what you've taken your entire life to acquire. I want it right now. In fact, I want it right now so much so that I put that money at a higher level than our relationship. Because I know that if I can get your money, then that's what's going to bring me happiness in life. And a lot of us have bought into the lie that happiness comes from money. In fact, Donald Trump you know, the dude with the bad hair who's a multi-billionaire, he says this, whoever said money can't buy you happiness hasn't been shopping at the right stores. And a lot of us just think that. I'm just not shopping in the right place. I don't have the right things yet. But that's just this myth that we buy into. The truth is, is that wealth is not all that it's cracked up to be. That's why Solomon, who is, the Bible says, is the wealthiest man who ever lived. And they say historically, I mean, he was a 
gazillionaire by today's standards. He says this in Proverbs. Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Restrain yourself. Wow, that would, that's kind of an interesting concept. Restrain yourself. Wow, we've, we've never thought about doing that in America. Like, do everything. But he says restrain yourself. Riches disappear in the blink of an eye. Wealth sprouts wings and flies off into the wild blue yonder. See, a lot of us have bought into more will be enough. And what happens is, is we look at our life and we say our life is not enough. Our, our, our significance is not enough. Our wealth is not enough. Our value is not enough. And we start putting all this not enough on there. And we keep thinking that this is a financial problem in our life because we don't have enough. And the reality is, is not enough is never a financial problem. It's always a spiritual problem. And we're trying to fill a spiritual void with physical things. Because we overestimate and we think that wealth is going to bring us happiness. But the reality is, is that wealth does not bring us happiness. Because the more stuff we have, what happens? The more we have to worry about, the more we have to take care of, the more we have to insure, the more we have to stress out about. And we think that, that that's what more is going gonna, gonna, to, it's going to fill all these needs and it fills it for a moment. But as, son, as soon as somebody else gets something bigger, better, faster, stronger than us, then we got to have the next it's why 50 years ago, there's an entire industry that did not even exist called the storage unit business. And we see it everywhere in our community. You can't drive around the corner without seeing a storage unit going up. It's a $12 billion business because we think more is going to be enough. We overestimate the importance of wealth in our life. And it's way overrated. And when we overestimate the importance of wealth in our life, what it makes us want is it makes us want instant gratification in our life. We want to have instant gratification. And, and, and you look at this boy and you remember that he said, man, dad, I want what you have right now, which in the Jewish culture would have been like a, a no-no. Because in essence, what he was saying to his father is he's saying, dad, I wish you were dead so I could just get what's coming to me. How many, how many parents are looking forward to the day their, their kids say, I wish you were dead so I can just get mine? Like that isn't, that isn't a very engaging relationship starter right there. But yeah, that's exactly what he does. He basically says, I wish dad was dead. And then verse 13, it says, talking as if the father is dead. He says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off in a, for a distant country. I think it's probably the next day or two, he gets in and says, man, I got mine. I'm off. I'm going to go live it up. And see, what this young man failed to learn and what we failed to learn is this idea of maturity. And the idea of maturity, a mature person is somebody who realizes that it's okay and that it's necessary to postpone pleasure in life. It's not, a, it's not something we've learned very well today in an instant gratification culture where we want everything right now. Especially college students. College students, they fall into this. They, they want everything right now. And so what they're doing is they're going and they're acquiring debt and they're offering credit cards and they're offering all these student loans. And let me just tell you something. Because you want everything right now that everybody else has, what happens is those student loans, 15 years later, feel like your own personal pet and you've got a mane. They just never seem to go away or die. In my generation and the generation that's coming up after me, we, we're, we struggle with this because we want everything right this moment. 
All of us, we look at what our parents and our grandparents have acquired over a lifetime and think it's our right and responsibility to have it right now. You think about that. What they've achieved for their lifetime, we think we should have right now. It's crazy. But yet we want that instant gratification. That's why Luke says, beware, don't be greedy greedy for what you don't have. Real life is not measured by how much we own. But a lot of that's how we measure life. We're always comparing ourselves among ourselves. We're always playing the comparison game. And let me just tell you something. The comparison game will always cause you to want something more that you don't have. In fact, I remember uh, quite a few years ago, we were in the season of life. We were in our mid-20s. And all of our friends had gotten really good jobs out of college. I was working at a church. And uh, they started doing really, really well. They were pharmaceutical reps and small business owners. And so they started buying Mercedes. And they started buying, uh, you know, Land Rovers and all these things. And I, I'm thinking to myself, well, I want that stuff too. Like, I'm, I'm the same age as them. Why don't I get one of those things? And so I did what no wise person did is I went to the car dealership by myself without my wife's permission or approval. Um, that right there is your first mistake, guys. Like, just telling you that right there. I went there, and I saw this Nissan Armada with 22s. And I was like, I got to have it. And I went in. And I financed it, and I walked out, and I rolled out on this Amada 22s. I rolled into our driveway. I was thinking I was so cool. And Shayla's like, well, how cool is that? What's the payment? And I said, $650. Some of y'all are like, that's not even a big deal. My payment's 800 You know, like, because you know what? The average car payment in America right now is $560. And I thought it was cool. Until two months later, I was broke and bored. I just, that thing just sat in the driveway because I couldn't afford the gas. Like, look at it, man. Those rims shine. Nobody gets to see them, though. Here's one you ought to write down. 90 days is not the same as cash. I'm just going to tell you that. Cash is the same as cash. Here's the thing. Proverbs 11.4 says, A thick bankroll is no help when life falls apart. A principled life can stand up to the worst. So we got to get some principles in our life. we got to get some things that delay our gratification, desire instantaneously. Two that, that Shayla and I have applied to our life over the last 10 years that have radically transformed us. Number one is that anytime we, we're going to spend $100, which it's not hard to spend $100 today, whether it's a pair of shoes or a pair of jeans or, or just going to get some sort of little luxury item that we feel like is such a big deal. When we go and we want to buy it, we, gotta, we have a rule that we have to walk away for at least 30 minutes. If you have that desire, walk away for 30 minutes. You'll find that your desires cha- can change a whole lot in 30 minutes. Other big thing, anytime we're going to spend thousands of dollars, we have a rule that we don't spend that much money without taking a day to pray about it. Because if you're going to spend that much money, like you can take a day. And you know what I found most of the time? In that day, God speaks to me a lot about being stupid. And I'm going to guess, like, if you would probably take that day, he talked to you a lot about being stupid too, and uh, it'd be an amazing thing in your life. Because when we start to when we start to live with that instant gratification, what happens to us is we start to be like this young boy who had very self-destructive behaviors in his life. It says in verse 13, 
in that, in that place, when he fought, traveled to a far-off land, it says there he squandered his wealth in wild living. Have you ever just sat back and think about how much money you squander in life? You ever just taken account of it? Like, and, and people squander money on crazy things. They, they squander money on uh, cigarettes, drugs, alcohol, pornography, Starbucks. Y'all ever taken account of your Starbucks bill at the end of the month? It's expensive. You could buy a small country if you were to add that up over a couple months. I don't really call it Starbucks. I call it five bucks because you ain't getting out of there without dropping a five on it. In fact, in Vegas this year, people will lose over $17 billion. Squander away some living. Do you know that people will spend $1,100 buying lottery tickets here, living a dream for that 120 mil? That's twice as much as the average American gives away to charity. Some of you are like, I can't afford to give to God. Well, stop buying lottery tickets. Ooh, that one hurt. Maybe put your trust in him instead of six balls and a ping pong machine. This son was a victim of his own self-destructive behavior. And self-destructive behavior will, will cause you to spend everything you have. It will cause you to spend every single thing. In verse, the rest of verse 14 says, and after he had spent everything, he spent it all, all of his inheritance, all of his wealth, gone. You know, my grandparents lived by a principle that we don't really live by today. It's when you run out of money, you stop spending. It's crazy, isn't it? But today, we, we continue to spend and spend and spend. I gave you a stat a couple weeks ago. The average American, for every dollar they earn, spends $1.33. The average person right now in America is wa walking around over $7,000 of unsecured credit card debt. If you were to take out the people that, that don't have debt, that number jumps to, to almost 16,000. The average person has 16.7 credit cards in their wallet right now. I know why some of y'all have some back problems. You trying to sit on that thing, goat dudes? Like 16.7 cards. And here's the deal. Every day, what are you getting in the mail? You're getting a letter from credit card companies saying you're pre-approved, right? Anybody else getting those? And listen, I've been looking for approval all of my life. So I'm like, yes, somebody finally approved me. Pre-approval. Finally. My favorite is, is the Chase Freedom card. That's my favorite one because it, like they're right there. They're telling you what's going to happen. You are going to be chasing freedom for the rest of your life if you use this card. It's the greatest marketing strategy of all time. They like use two words that people like. They like chasing things and they like freedom. But when you combine those, you're going to be chasing freedom. Listen, you get on the wrong side of compound interest, it will destroy you. We talked about the plus side of compound interest last week. The bad side of compound interest is, man, it's hard to get out of that compounding month after month at 17, 18, 22% coming against you. That's why Proverbs 21, 20 says, in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours or spends all that he has. Man, it's time for us to build some margin in our lives. And when you spend everything you have, you're unprepared for the storms of life. You're unprepared for the storms. And when you know it, this young man, he ran out of money. It says, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. And so many of us, that's where we find ourselves. In fact, this is the first time in American history that uh, we have negative 
an amount in our savings as an average for the American people. If you were to go and look at all the American people, we're in the negative for the first time. And the Bible tells us, man, if we're prudent people, who is a wise person, who is somebody who looks ahead and says, the prudent looks out and they take refuge in life. But the foolish person, they keep on going and suffering for it. And some of us, man, we're just keeping on going. And I understand there's no way that you can prepare for every storm that's going to be out there. You can't have a contingency plan for everything. But you can have a plan for some things because storms are going to come. And this, this boy shows us how most of us end up in this financial black hole in life, how we end up in this place that a lot of us have found ourselves in. But it also, in this story, he gives us the, the recipe to get out of it. He gives us the, the, the pathway to get ourselves out of the hole that we dug ourselves in into the freedom that God wants for every single one of us to experience. And starting in verse 15, it says this. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And so this boy did what some of us need to do is he went out and he got another job and he said, man, I'm not going to continue going in the same direction that I'm going. I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to get a job. And, and then he set out and he had this, this moment that we all need to have. And this is the moment where he acknowledged the reality of where he was. And for a lot of us, what we need to do today is we need to acknowledge the reality of where we are in our financial life. And it says, when he came to his senses, in the next verse, it says, when the boy, when the boy caught a glimpse of his reality, when he started to see with his own eyes where he had ended up, he realized that, man, at my father's house, man, there's servants and there's people, and they're not struggling to eat, but they're being taken care of. Like, I don't have to continue down this path is what he got to this place. And, and he started to call the spade what it was, a spade. And he says, man, I'm in trouble. And some of us, we need to have a, a moment where we have a reality check and we need to go, you know what? I am in trouble and I'm going to call it what it is. And, and, and man, I've got some financial bondage in my life. I'm not going to lie to myself and say, oh, it's not that bad because it is. A lot of us, we haven't gotten to that place where we go, here's the reality. Here's the reality check that I need. I know for me, I didn't, I didn't get reality for a long time. I, would, I remember we, we were about 25 grand in debt at this time, uh, 21, 22 years old, living in Bradenton, Florida. And there was a big football game that was coming on. We were having some people over to our house. And... Um, I, I thought to myself, you know, our 32-inch TV is not big enough. And so I'm going to go buy a TV. And so I went down with my buddy down to Sears. I didn't tell Shayla. And I went down and I found a 55-inch HD TV that was still like the big box TVs. You know, like they were six foot deep and eight foot high. You know, it was like, but it's HD is widescreen, 16 by 9, which made it even bigger than the normal ones. And, and I, I went on my, to Sears, put it on my Sears card, $4,000. I brought that puppy home before Shayla got home. I set it up. And uh, when she walked in, I go, surprise! I'll never forget Shayla going, TJ, do you realize we're broke? 
And in that moment, I didn't realize we were broke. I thought, man, we, got, we still got a thousand bucks on the Sears card of empty credit. Like, we can go spend that. We got another credit card. We'll just get another one. We have money. But it's like in that moment, it's like, oh my gosh. We're spending money that we don't have. Like we we really are broke. And some of us, we need to, we need to have a reality check of where we are. Because the devil's greatest thing that he can do is he can get us in bondage. And he can get us so wrapped up, whether it's an addiction, whether it's a relationship, he just wants to get us wrapped up in something. And unfortunately, the thing that he has succeeded at so well for us is death. He's gotten us so wrapped up, so caught up, that we're oblivious to reality until one day, it, all of a sudden, it lights on and you're like, oh my gosh. And what happens is, is you're always living under pressure. Christmases aren't the happiest time of the year because you know you don't have the money to buy the presents for those people you don't like that you want to impress. And, you, you know, and you've got all this emotional junk going on. And the thing that you need to realize in this moment when you have this reality check is that even though you might be in bondage now, God does not want you to stay that way. And it goes back to who the sun sets free will be free indeed. Like you don't have to stay that way. And so what does this young boy do? He does exactly what we need to do. We need to have a reality check, and then we need to develop a plan of attack. We need to develop a plan of attack. And it says in verse 18 19, I will set out and go back to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. I love what it says. He says, I will. He says, man, I'm going to put some action to my reality. And he says, I've got a plan. I'm going to develop it. I'm going to make this decision. I'm going to get out of debt. And I'm going to say on this day, I will. On this day, I will start moving forward to a freer life. I'm not going to continue to be in bondage. I'm not going to continue to be lacking in life. But I'm going to make my way back to where I need to be, where I started when I was free before I found myself in debt. I'm going to make my way back there. That's why in Proverbs 21, 5, it says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. When we get diligent and make a plan and start heading that way, it leads to abundance. It's those of us that want to cut corners and skimp our way through there, that it always leads us back to poverty. And a lot of us, we're trying to cut corners and we're trying to figure out the easy way and the fast way. Listen, it didn't take you just 10 seconds to get yourself where you are. You, you took some time to get to the place where you're at today. It's going to take some time to get you out of that place. You need to be diligent in that moment to get yourself out of debt. Get the plan. First step in your plan is stop digging yourself deeper in the hole. Stop going into debt. Cut up your cards. Get some accountability. What Dave Ramsey says is put them in like seven feet of ice. And if you really want to get them out, you'll have to break that junk open. And for most of us, we're too lazy to do that. So that'll keep us from spending. Stop continuing to lower yourself deeper and deeper into the place you're at. And then what you need to do is you need to start creating some margin. Start figuring out how do I eliminate some of these, some of these five-buck runs at Starbucks. Start giving yourself some things and start celebrating with each victory that you have. You've got to get a plan. And we said last week, man, if, you're, if you need help, write in your worship guide. Fill out your, your information. Some of you all filled out your information. We can't read it. We don't do hieroglyphics at our church. Just telling you. 
Like, we want to help you, but we got to be able to actually read your writing to do that. So print it out. Make it very clear. Write financial counseling. We'll contact you. People have been contacted. We want to help you get a plan for your life. We don't want you to stay in the same situation. And I know that we're always talking about changing the world, but first, let's change your world. Let's change your world. Let's get you free so you don't have to continue in the same bondage. And let me tell you something. Proverbs tells us hard work always pays off, but mere talk puts no bread on the table. It's time for some of us to stop talking about it and time for some of us to start doing it. And what we need to do is as we get this plan of attack, we need to start right now. Start right now. Don't say, I'm not, I'm going to pray about that. Listen, when people tell me they're praying about it, what that means is that you know exactly what you're supposed to be doing. You're just too afraid to do it. It's time to get off your butt and start doing it. This is real talk here today. Like, it's time for us to start doing it. Don't put this thing off. The longer you go, the deeper your hole gets. No problems in life get better by ignoring them. I'll give you an example. Ignore your spouse. See if that helps. I promise you it don't. I promise you, it's, it's going to enhance your situation. It's just enhancing it to a higher volume. Don't ignore your finances. Do something right now. Start right here, right now, today. The Bible says, so he got up and went to his father. So he got up. He started going somewhere. Direction, not intention, to determine his destination. Listen, a lot of you guys have the greatest of intentions in the world, but they say the road to hell is paved with great intentions. Stop having intentions and start doing something. Start taking some direction. Start making some decisions. Start moving that way. I love this. I, I wrote it down. Someone once said, procrastination is my sin. It brings me only sorrow. I know that I should give it. In fact, I will tomorrow. Listen, if you want your life to be better than it's ever been, you're probably going to have to do some things you've never done. You're going to have to make some decisions that you've never made. And you're going to have to get some disciplines that you've never had. And those things might be a little painful and they might be a little hard. But I'll tell you what, they will lead you to a path that will absolutely radically transform your life. Listen, don't wait till tomorrow. Start right now. Freedom is as close as today for you. And most importantly, in point number four, the thing that he did that was the biggest thing is he humbly asked his father for help. And today we need to humbly ask our heavenly father for help in our life. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I love that picture. Because a lot of us think, man, if I go to God, I've got to get my life all together. I've got to get, how you go to God is you put everything together and then you show up to God. And we've got this whole God thing wrong. God says, don't clean up your mess and then come to me. He says, come to me with your mess and I'll help you clean it up. 
And a lot of us think, man, if I just run to God, he's going to reject me. When in fact, God is sitting on the front porch of life, like looking out, waiting for you to come to him. And as soon as you start coming, he takes off. And I'm going to guess he's probably faster than Usain Bolt, so it's good news for you. He's going to get to you. And he's going to meet you right where you are. He's going to embrace you. None of us have this perception that God isn't there for us, but God is waiting on us. He's waiting on us to ask for his help and to come to him. He's trying to teach us, like it says in Hebrews 13, to don't to not be obsessed with getting more things. Relax with the things that we do have. Since he assures us he'll never leave us, nor will he ever walk off and leave you be. Let me just tell you something. God is here for you right now. He's just waiting for you to ask for some help. I remember when we, right after that point where I bought that TV and that reality check came to my life. I said, God, I need your help. Like we're $29,000 in debt. Just credit card stuff. We're not talking car payments that we still have. We're not talking about all the other stuff. Remember I prayed that prayer and my hope probably like a lot of you was that, that God would send me an envelope with like, like all the cash I needed to pay all my bills. Is that anybody else's prayer? Like God help me with the envelope full of cash. Or God help me with the winning lottery ticket numbers. I could use 120 mil. It'd probably take care of my debt. But God didn't send me help in the form of cash or the winning lottery tickets. God sent me help in the form of his presence. In that period of time, I developed a relationship with a business guy who started teaching me about the principles of God, of trusting God with my first, giving above and beyond. He started teaching me about personal finance and and how to do the debt snowball and helped us, Shayla and I, work out a plan. And and I'll tell you this, we started this whole series by by saying, by talking about the, the idea that we perish for a lack of knowledge. Lack of, a lack of this revelation that God can do something transcendent in our finances. And the reason he can't and he's held back is because most of us have never put our trust in him. We put our trust in him for salvation, but not for the other areas of our life. We haven't given him our heart. We haven't given all our money. We haven't given him those things. And today he's going, listen, this is an all or nothing deal. Like, I want it all. I'm either Lord of none or Lord of all. It's not a halfway point. And for some of us, we need to come to the realization of where our reality is and say, man, I've messed this up long enough. I've been Lord of this long enough that that I've figured out that I can't do it on my own. And the thing that I need more than anything right now is God's help and God's divine intervention. And he's going to help me develop a plan, and then I'm going to have to take the action and take the step of faith to walk it out. And I believe for some of you today is going to be a day where you say, God, I'm going to surrender for the first time. All of me. My stuff included. Because really, this is all about our heart. Do we really trust? Do we really trust? Let's pray. God, we just come before you.
this is what I know is that a lot of us, man, we, we're struggling right now. Finances has been a struggle for longer than we can know. And, and there's, it's been a difficult time. we're taking a step back and we're facing reality today that a lot of this is because we put our trust in ourselves. And today, maybe you're out there and you're saying, I'm tired of trusting myself because it hasn't worked. The evidence, the proof is in the pudding. But today I need to make a, a fundamental change and I need to put my trust first and foremost in God and I need to humbly ask Him for His help. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I know for some some people, they feel like, man, this is, I'm, I'm embarrassed if I raise my hand, but this is the thing, man. If you'll, if you'll be honest with God, God will be honest with you. You need to get real today and get some freedom in your life and start by getting back to God. If that's you, if you just slip your hand up, I'd love to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. People, yeah, people being honest all over the place. God, I just pray right now for every hand that lifted up. That as they're facing the reality of their situation, they're facing the reality of their life, God, that you would divinely intervene in their circumstances, God, that you would send them a person, that you would send them a plan, God, that they would be able to walk out, that they would no longer put their trust in themselves, but they would put their trust fully and completely in the one who is trustworthy of all, Jesus Christ. And Lord, you would show up and you would speak and you would move and you would provide and you would do what only you could do, which is set us free, God. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.